Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hey, everybody. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year and Liberty, everybody. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 105, meaning you can find all these show notes, which there are very few, at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL105. You may notice from the headline of the episode, and also from my voice and uh, way of speaking, inflection, let's say, that I am pretty hammered. I would venture to say this is probably going to be the most drunken episode of Electric Liberty Land ever recorded. And that's saying something because there was once when we had our call. We do like, uh, you know, if you sign up for the Pride and uh, you get to the $25 level, we do a Skype call where we talk about the show, what you want to see, what you want to do. Sometimes we'll throw out a topic, talk about that. So we'll talk about some stuff on the call. And uh, that interrupted Electric Liberty Land one night. So, did that, got hammered, came back, extra hammered, finished the show. This show, guys, all the way hammer time. Uh, and speaking of, there will also be no ads on this show. Lucky you guys. But, uh, yeah, executive decision on my part. No advertisements on this show because I just, why would you want to be associated with this? Right? Not fair to them. Not fair to them. So no ads. Just me being drunk, talking. I'm going to guess for 20 minutes. I don't know. I really don't know. Because here's what happened, guys. You know, sometimes you have New Year's Eve. And sometimes you happen to be the person on the Lions of Liberty Variety Podcast OG variety podcast, wherein, uh, you know, you're the guy that talks about the current events. And sometimes I think it happened last year. I'm sure it's going to happen next year. But sometimes, you know, uh, you got to record a show on New Year's Day and uh, you happen to be exceptionally hungover. And the only solution to that hangover is drinking. And that's where we're at, guys. That's where we're at. And look, I did not want to leave you hanging. I didn't want to not do a show because as we have said before, the Lions of Liberty do not take time off. God damn it. Now, granted, lazy people like Mark can just record uh, libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor shows and, uh, and run those. But, you know, some of us have current event shows. And some of us are responsible. Some of us know there are people out there hungering for a voice of liberty, no matter how slurring that voice might be. No matter how many names that voice may mispronounce. So I'm here for you guys. Happy 2019. And uh, I doubt there are any people that are, you know, it's like in 2019, just like, hey, you know what? 2019, I'm going to be a libertarian. I might as well listen to Electric Liberty Land. Although, really, everybody should say that and do that. But should you be one of those people 
Number one, thank you. Happy New Year. Welcome to libertarian thinking. Number two, uh, don't judge this podcast by this episode. Like I said, hey, if there ain't no advertisers on this episode, because I feel like it's uh, bilking them out of the good money they pay, then uh, you can't judge me on what this episode is. All right, what was that? Four, four minutes and 30 seconds of bullshit? All right, cool. Let's get on into it. What do you think? All right, first thing first, this is a culture, comedy, and liberty podcast. So I got to talk about Louis C.K. again. You know, I did an episode talking about Louis when uh, the whole Me Too thing was going on. I'm talking about him again now because he's finally emerged from the chrysalis of shame, which he was forced into during the whole, I don't know, Me Too thing. Although... As I've said, I I don't know, Louis, you know, it seems like if you ask somebody if it's okay to do something and then you do it, that should be okay, right? People are into certain things. There's a lot of people with sexual, I'm not going to call them perversions, they're not perversions, sexual tastes, right? Like, I don't even like that we call them fetishes. Like, people are into what they're into, right? You got a certain taste. Now, that does not include pedophilia, FYI. But you got a certain taste, you're into a certain thing, whatever, whatever you're into. So Louis C.K. is into, apparently, whacking off in front of women. Fine. I haven't heard a single story where he was accused of just, like, whipping out his dick and spanking it. He always asked the women that said yes or no, and then they're like, oh, well, but, you know, because of the power dynamic, I had to say yes. Like, no, I'm sorry. You, you, you never have to say yes. You never, ever have to say this. Anyway, moving on. Uh, so Lucy K went out of sight, lost like $38 million because he had a movie that was about to come out. Why distribution? Because he was beloved. Let's not forget, Louis C.K. was beloved by all people on the left. All of the progressives loved Louis C.K. Because, you know, honestly... I used to adore Louis C.K. because uh, I thought it was very funny. Not you know, not because he's an ugly ginger. That's not my type. But uh, liked his comedy. You know, I thought he was a very, very funny comedian. I liked him even way back when. If you guys remember Dr. Katz on uh, Cartoon Network or Comedy Central. I can't remember which one it was on. The, deb- the debut of Squiggle Vision. And also H. John Benjamin of Archer fame and Bob's Burgers fame. And also, I think he's, yeah, he's like Carl's Jr. commercials now. The sandwiches. So he was uh, Dr. Katz's son on that show. But Louis C.K. was on that show, goddamn, like 20 years ago. Like uh, uh, an unbelievably long time ago. And he was hilarious on the show. Louis C.K. was a very funny comedian. But of course, what seems to happen to all of these comedians, once they get big, they start to think, oh, well, you know, now that I've got this big microphone, I've, I've got to get uh, a political. I've got to make some points. And Louis C.K. started pandering, just like in Electric Liberty Land episode 100, which I hope you all have listened to, and I encourage you to listen to, when I talk about the pandering society, Louis C.K. started pandering. And it was like this comedy, which I don't know, is it even comedy anymore? It's kind of funny. 
more or less it was written. It's like when you write a joke around a point of view, it's no longer funny. Jokes and humor come from just the core. What is the funny? You find the funny, right? Most comedians, you guys, half of you know, half of you probably don't know. I do stand-up comedy myself. You find something funny, right? Comes in your mind. You see it in the news, whatever. You see something funny. And you go, all right, I like that. That's my punchline. I'm going to build a joke around the punchline. Not the opposite. You don't build a joke around a premise like, I want to make a point about women's rights. I want to make a point about transgender rights or whatever it is. And Lucy K, he didn't, not that he was making a point about transgender rights, but he started going down that road. Uh, and it was honestly just, it killed his funny. You can't be funny if you're trying to build a joke rather than just having it organically come to view. I mean, the, the point is you think of something hilarious and you build the joke around what is hilarious, not the opposite way. I hope this is interesting content because I'm very, you know, anyway, moving on. So Lucy K went into hiding, lost like $38 million uh, because his movie was coming out and now uh, ain't coming out no more. And, Finally starts going out doing some comedy again, as you would expect he would, as he should. So, does a set. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a comedy seller or not. I think that's his favorite spot. But he does a set. And all these people say, oh, quote unquote, leaked audio. Let me just say, number one, it's not leaked audio. Uh, it's not like it was recorded in Louis C.K.'s bathroom. He is in public doing a comedy set at a comedy club. So it's not leaked anything. He's doing it in fucking public. So don't pretend like this is some fucking secret that got out. Number two, like I was just saying, the way you write a joke, let me continue that. The way you work a joke or a concept is you go to a club and you try shit out. The reason Louis C.K. goes to the comedy seller and by the way, doesn't charge people hundred dollars a ticket because if Louis C.K., even now, right? Louis C.K., probably before he got in trouble, was probably pulling in, what, 100 maybe 125 a ticket? Pretty goddamn good money. If he announced that he was coming back and doing an hour special at one theater, what do you think those fucking tickets would go for? I guarantee you it would be probably in the 300s because people would say, I got to see this shit. This man's been embarrassed. This man's been thrown to the, the fucking gutter. I got to see what he's going to come out and say. So what comedians do before they go on these shows, before they go on Leno, before they do a, an hour stand-up special on Comedy Central, is they go to the clubs that are their home clubs. And most comedians have one home club, right? So Louis C.K. clearly is the comedy seller. You go to that one club and you work the material out. It's like stand-up comedy is one of those things. Like half the people in the world think that stand-up comedians tell old jokes over again. I've literally had people come up to like, if you think that, number one, thank you for listening to the show. Number two, you're a moron. Comedians, well, good comedians, write their own material. You tell your own original jokes. And as such, 
Like I was saying, you got to work it out. You go to a club, you test the material out, you throw some shit out there. Some of it sticks, some of it doesn't stick. I don't know if this is Louis C.K.'s finish bit or not that he's getting in trouble for. Sorry, I'm just kind of skipping ahead. But the point is, when you go to a club, especially if you're Louis C.K., especially you're just dropping in, you're not charging people $300 for your I'm back special, you're clearly not doing your A material for these people. You are testing shit out. So anyway, all these goddamn websites are reporting. Let me, let me just read some of these headlines to you. From the Daily Beast, uh, Louis C.K.'s leaked comedy set panders to the alt-right. And I'm going to tell you a little bit. I'm not going to play it because, hey, we're on Patreon. Who knows if we'll get banned from Patreon because of our content on the non-Patreon show, our public show. And by the way, guys, I know Dave Rubin just ditched Patreon. I know Jordan uh, Peterson just ditched Patreon. Let me just make an appeal to you because, look, Dave Rubin, uh, I saw how much money he made on Patreon, and it was $30,000 plus a month. Not bad, eh? Not bad. I don't even know what Jordan Peterson is pulling in. With all the speaking tours. And also Dave Rubens is speaking. Uh, uh, Dave Rubin. I always say Rubens. The Dave's Rubens. They're speaking. They're going all around. They've got plenty of money. And look, I know. We're free market capitalists. We are libertarians. The way you vote is with your dollars. I understand that. We all hate what Patreon is doing. But guys, I said it on this podcast. I think other people have too. Look, we are on Patreon. Uh, that's where we get our support from. It enables us to do this podcast, to buy our equipment, to go to the shows, to do what we got to do. And right now, there is not a better alternative for us. All right? And look, I know I, I've seen the people who have unsubscribed from our Patreon because they are trying to make a point. I get it. I don't hate you. I don't hold it against you. But just please understand from our point of view, I get what you're trying to do, but what you're doing is hurting us vastly more than it's hurting Patreon. Vastly more. Because we're a podcast trying to grow. We're a libertarian fucking podcast fighting against the world. And Patreon's got a million other crap ass pieces of shit podcasts out there that are still pulling in millions of dollars. We're trying to buy microphones. We're trying to go to Freedom Fest. We're going to Pork Fest. We're going to the National Libertarian Convention. That's what we're doing, guys. So go ahead. If you want to pull your money, great. But losing your 10 bucks means a lot more to us than it does to Patreon. Okay, sorry. Like I said, I'm drunk, man. It's, you deal with it. You deal with the drunkenness. All right, let me read some of these ridiculous headlines. The Daily Beast. Louis C.K.'s leaked, leaked again, leaked comedy set panders to the alt-right. And I'll tell you about it in a minute. Uh, let's read some other headlines. The leaked Louis C.K. set is tragedy masked as comedy from The Atlantic. 
And then, of course, it just talks about he mocks the Parkland survivors, so they say, right? There's like 50 articles just in that headline. There's a bunch of tweets. Judd Apatow is attacking Louis C.K. Quote, the hacky, unfunny, shallow routine is just a symptom of how people are afraid to feel empathy. It's much easier to laugh at our most vulnerable than to look at our pain directly and show them love and concern. Louis C.K. is all fear and bitterness now. He can't look inward. This is from Judd Apatow, right? From the 40-year-old version. Uh, hey, Judd. So, okay, so it's it's cool to make a whole movie mocking virgins, mocking people that are socially awkward, that can't get along with people that might be a little bit different from the norm. Uh, mocking those people, make a whole movie about it. But, you know, Louis C.K. is uh, the bad guy. He, Louis C.K. is going to empathy, right? The hypocrisy of the shit. Louis C.K. was a darling of the left. Like I said, he was a darling of the left when he started adopting that pandering bullshit comedy. And honestly, for me, for what I like in comedy, welcome back, Louie. Welcome back, man. Glad to see you back doing real comedy again. Doing comedy that actually cuts to the core that has no fucking prisoners and takes no prisoners. That's what I meant to say. So what Louis says, and I, again, I'm not going to embed it here. It's easy. It's on YouTube. You can find it. It's like a two-minute clip. Basically, what Louis C.K. does is he uh, he went out there. Uh, what people are talking about the Parkland shooters is he said that the Parkland shooters, he goes, you know, these kids are out there saying, we got to rein in gun control, blah, 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 blah. He said, you know, you're not a hero, these Parkland kids. He's like, you know, you're you're the one that didn't get shot. Why should I listen to your opinion on anything? And look, he's right. I mean, even look, honestly, I mean, from my point of view, even if you're somebody that did get shot and survived, okay, a horrible thing happened, right? Indefensible, horrible act. That happened. Even if that happened, even if you were somebody that got shot, even if you were a survivor of that shooting, you're still a high school kid. You're still somebody that has no world experience, that has limited uh, ability to conceive, create, understand the world in which we live in. And look, guys, I'm not demeaning. If you are a younger person, I'm not demeaning you right now. Uh, I'm coming from a point of like, look, I didn't know myself, what I understood, what I believed. And I still don't. Nobody should. I mean, at no point should you ever consider yourself somebody like, I get it. I'm done. I'm still not to that point. And I hope I never get to that point. But looking back now, I'm almost 40, right? Looking back at who I was, what I thought, what I believed at 16, 17, 18, is laughable. The ignorance, the arrogance is laughable. For people that have never had to go out, provide for themselves, defend their family, buy a house, do anything, earn a a living wage. Not, I hate to use that term, living wage. Fucking, yeah, fucking lefties getting in my drunk brain. But there are no ways to pay the rent, right? These fucking kids. We're supposed to listen to these kids. 
And Louis nails it. What have you done? Why are you a hero? You didn't get shot. You didn't go through anything. And now I know Louis not making the same point I'm making, but the core concept is the same. And again, it's a joke. So he makes his joke. Why am I listening to you? You, you survived. You didn't get shot. It's a joke. Who knows if that's the final joke? Who knows if that's the first iteration of the joke? He's just throwing it out there to see what the reaction would be. The crowd seemed to like it. Then he went on to tell a, another joke, uh, which was actually, I, I think, much funnier, and, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. And in that joke, he talks about, uh, you know, trans people. And again, this, like, you'd think the outrage... <laughs> You'd think that he would have said something along the lines of like, hey, you cut off your dick, you don't get to vote, right? Something ridiculous, something crazy is what you think he would have said. Some outlandish joke, like a David Tell style joke. No, didn't even say it. (coughs) Pardon me. The joke he said, he goes, you know what bothers me with the trans people? And actually, it kind of aligns with the, the Jordan Peterson point of view, however you feel about him. Uh And his point of view is, he goes, look, you can't tell me what to call you. And the joke he makes is, look, the queen says, you got to call me the queen. You will call me her majesty. You're telling me what I have to call you, them, the, them. He makes up some, uh, you know, some label along the, not shim, but something similar. And, but it's a good point. And that's what comedy should be. It's making a point in a funny way. And I like that joke. It's not. That's not a hilarious joke. It's not a laugh out loud. Uh, oh my God, my sides hurt joke. But it's an insightful joke. And the point of the joke is that we take for granted that these people who are a tiny, 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 tiny minority, not to say they don't have rights, but again, a minuscule minority of the population are dominating conversation are forcing social change and are forcing us to change the way in which we address people. Like <laughs> there was in our, in our forum, <coughs> sorry, I got to still get over this little cough in our forum, which you can join. If you go to Facebook, just type in lines of Liberty forum, say you heard it about here on electric Liberty land. When you go into our forum, somebody posted this video, which is hilarious. And it was this dude who just is dressed like a dude. He's in a sweatshirt. Honestly, he looks like Mark Claire. It's actually pretty funny. Looks like Mark Claire went into a video game store and got mad, but he goes to a video score. He's talking to the clerk and uh, they're having some argument. He's just in a hoodie and jeans and maybe a pink shirt. And he's got earrings on, but he looks like a dude. And he's like, sir, you're going to have to leave. Cause the guy was getting a little, little uppity. And he goes, you will call me ma'am. You call me ma'am. And it was just, I mean, it's one of those things where you go, look, I know what you want to be called. I I get you identified this one way. Fine. All right. You identify. Why do you expect the world to change for you? And that's what I don't get about the movement in general and the adoption of the movement in general. And I've had a lot of arguments about this because Look, we society is what society is. And while I 100% support your right 
to do what you want. If you want to dress the way you want, I don't give a goddamn. Dress how you want. Fuck who you want. Fuck what you want, as long as it's not abusive, right? But to expect the world after decades, after centuries of operating in a certain way and operating in a certain way because that is the most logical, rational way in which things operate. And every society, right, these these transgender people, they want to change the bathrooms. Look, every society, we we ain't been talking about it. Any society you go to has pretty unanimous rules. Women go in that bathroom. Men go in that bathroom, right? All of a sudden, we're expected to uproot that and change everything. And people say, okay, well, that's their right. Fine. Yeah, your right is to do what what you want to do. But what you want to do also comes with consequences. If this is the way you want to live, there are going to be understandable cultural repercussions to that. And, you know, I, I mentioned I, I did Thanksgiving with my cousin, uh, he and his husband. Love them. Fucking love them. I want nothing but the best of them. I want no cultural repercussions. To them. I'm glad all of the, I'm glad our society now accepts that. It should have always accepted it. It is ridiculous. It took so long. You know, freaking Obama. Everybody loves Obama. Yeah. Thanks, Obama. You did nothing to help gay marriage. Thank God it's accepted now, as it should always be. And look, trans, if you want to dress the way you dress, I don't care. But you have to understand that you cannot, as a, I don't know, a federal force, just make people change. It's not the way it works. When you've done it for centuries, when every culture has done it for centuries, and these progressives seem to just want to force it through. Man, wow, did I ever get on a tangent? Did I ever get on a tangent? <sighs> Getting back to you, Louis C.K., guys. Anyway, it's just, it, it's sad to see this, this set blown up. Again, like I said, is a test set. He's at a, a club trying stuff out. Get blown up into this huge thing where now it's like one of those things. Once you've got a black mark against you with the progressives, there ain't no coming back. Like the only way Louis C.K. was coming back was if he married a uh, mixed race transgender uh, shim and then somehow took that transgender shim, put shim in a place to win the presidency and was then the first man instead of Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton, he'd be the first man in the White House rather than woman. That's the only way he would be forgiven. Otherwise, dead to the world. It doesn't matter if it's comedy. doesn't matter, like... You, <laughs> it's just so frustrating. Louis C.K., like, Sarah Silver was one of the people that said, uh, yeah, she's friends with Louis C.K., said, yeah, Lou would ask me if he could jerk off for money. Sometimes I'd say yes, sometimes no, right? Meanwhile, on the other side of her mouth, 
she's slamming people for the Me Too shit. She's going after people. She's super aggressive with all the the fucking progressive shit you can just stuff up your ass. Sarah Silverman used to be very funny. If you drug up shit Sarah Silverman said, you could bury her. I mean, look at Kevin Hart. They're pulling up stuff from Kevin Hart where he's joking about his kid being gay. And, you know, again, it's a joke. Because people don't seem to understand that as a culture, you change your point of view at times, which, again, as I have said many times on this podcast, which is why you cannot have hate crimes, you cannot have hate crime legislation, you cannot have words that are outlawed, you cannot have any of this bullshit. Because if you outlaw any sort of speech, any sort of free speech, you cannot move forward. So anyway, now we accept uh, gays uh, as a normal part of society, which is wonderful, as I said earlier. But let's not forget that there was a very, very prominent time. There was a very long time, I would say from what, uh, the dawn of the Bible era until 10 years ago, where homosexuality was frowned upon. And that's just the way it was. And you, you could joke about it freely. And honestly, I think you should still be able to joke about it freely, like anything, because what people don't seem to understand is that if you stop joking about something, if you make something this taboo, then it becomes more of an ostracizing factor. Like especially like now we've accepted gay culture. I have gay friends, my I, I was say my gay cousins. I really love my gay cousin. He's hilarious. Do you not think I make gay jokes to him? Of fucking course I do. And do you not think he makes gay jokes to me? This is from literally today. New Year's fucking day. Says me that we're both named Brian. He sends me a video from Family Guy, some Jeff about Brian, uh, like a float, whatever. And I'm, I sent him back and said, hey, happy New Year. Love you guys. He texts back, you're gay, right? This is him. This isn't me. He texts back, that's gay. Oh, not, not you're gay. That's gay. Me saying I love him, right? And then I say, I would say, fuck you, but that's gayer. That's the back and forth we have. And you know why we can have that? Because we're fucking people. We're just people who actually appreciate each other on a level where stupid fucking words don't matter. Labels don't matter. Jokes still matter. Jokes are intended to bring people like, look, I know you can make jokes up people that are mean spirited. And honestly, you should be able to joke about whatever you want, whatever you want. Because jokes, honestly, bridge a lot more things than they separate. A lot more. But just to go back to my cousin. We have a relationship which the words don't matter. The context is that I like you. I'm going to fuck with you because I like you. Maybe this is an East Coast thing. And I've moved when I moved to California, guys, I swear to God, 
people out here don't get it. No offense to you Californians, no offense to you West Coasters. It's a different world out here. And I actually lost a couple friends because people didn't understand when I say some jokes, I'm not actually attacking you all the time. I'm just messing with you because I like you, because I think you can take it. And maybe it's a good thing that I'm not friends with these people anymore, because if you can't take it, then I don't even know. Should you even be alive? No, no, I've gone too far. I'm drunk. I've gone too far. Jesus Christ. I've been talking, it's 32. I've been talking about this for 30 minutes. Woof. Woof. Hey guys, welcome to what it's like to talk to me at a bar. We always joke about Brian talking to dudes at bars. Well, I know there's some chicks listening to this too. Welcome to what it's like talking to me at a bar. Anyway, uh, let's, let's uh, sum this up. The point is with this Louis CK shit, uh, Louis did nothing wrong. And honestly, can do nothing wrong. Other than inciting some sort of riot, you're a comedian. You tell jokes. The point of jokes is, like I said, a lot of the time actually bridges divides. It, it provides people a different perspective on something that they didn't expect. If you can see the punchline of a joke coming, then it's not funny, which is why Saturday Night Live is not funny which is why The Daily Show is not funny. You need to have jokes where you are surprised by the punchline. If you expect to laugh and you know why you're laughing, it's a failed joke and your comedian is a hack. I'm going to have Ryan Stout back on the podcast very soon. A hilarious comedian friend of mine. Uh, I'm not going to call him a libertarian, (coughs) pardon me, Uh, but he is a libertarian voter. I mean, hey, I myself didn't vote, uh, or I'm not part of the party. I did vote for train. But uh, I'm going to have him back on the podcast. But he has a whole Twitter feed or Instagram feed about jokes, just how the media attacks them, how everybody attacks these jokes without understanding the concepts of the jokes, how you work jokes out, how you throw something out there and see how the reaction is, how jokes are designed to offend. If you're not offending at least one person with a joke, you're probably not telling a good joke. Because jokes are designed where some people get it, some people don't. You find your audience, just like this podcast, guys, just like with me and you right here, talking right now. Look, I'm fucking hammered as shit talking to you guys right now. We get drunk at this podcast a lot. And... You know, half the—I mean, I'm—I'm I'm not drunk most of the time, but the other half of the time when I'm not drunk, I'm just yelling about shit. I'm just yelling about what makes me mad about the world. As a libertarian, just—just just pointing out obvious logical fallacies that exist out there, right? And I only started this show. I mean, sh- I mean, shit. Right? I, I just passed 100 episodes. You know, Mark's been doing the the flagship show for years he was you know he was digging coal man he was the one that that built up uh the name and you know we started the lions liberty website we're writing articles back in the in the days of ron paul and i I, you youngsters you probably didn't even know the daily paul yeah we would post our articles write them on there and we had a rotation we'd write these articles man it's a lot of work this podcast is a lot of work 
but you find your audience because you find your voice. And that's what comedians do too. You find your voice, you find your audience. Like Rob Schneider, I, mean, I was talking to a comedian buddy of mine. He said, you know, Rob Schneider, he was talking to that guy. And Rob Schneider, he goes, he said, hey man, how'd you, you know, how'd you make it? How'd you make it happen? How'd you get it started in life? And Rob Schneider said, he goes, you know, man, he's like, I'm, uh, he goes, I'm not the funniest guy. I'm the most talented guy. He goes, I just had five really good minutes that I honed down. And now Rob Schneider is a broad audience, but you got to find your voice. And that's what comedians do. Louis C.K., he's, he's already found his voice. And Louis C.K. has found his audience, man. I like Louis C.K. Even with all his bullshit he's done, I still like Louis C.K. I like that he's taking on the Parkland shooting. I, I mean, people are you know, like, oh, my God. Oh, it's an atrocity. No, you know what? Fucking good for you, Louis C.K. The point of comedy is you take on tragedy head on and you turn on its head. That's what you do with comedy. There's no such thing as too soon. You talk about it. You address it. You find something interesting about it. You find something fucking funny about it. And you talk about it. <laughs> so fuck everybody that's attacking Louis C.K. right now. And as much as uh, as I had been upset with Louis C.K. for the way his politics turned, whatever his politics may be, I have a very deep respect for him for just even making jokes about Parkland because you know, after everything that happened, you know, he knows there's a target on his back, but what comedians do is say, I don't give a fuck. And that's why Owen Benjamin's so great. Dave Smith, give Davy Smith a shout out. Davy Smith. But Owen, you know, Louis C.K., man. <laughs> he and Owen Benjamin might be touring soon. <laughs> Don't count it out. Jesus, did I really just talk 38 minutes about Louis C.K.? I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this is going to be a short. I'm going to wrap it up just talking real quick about, hey, Government shutdown, honestly, I really could not give a damn. I will say this, though. Um, I know we crow about it. We say, government shutdown, who gives a damn? Good for that, right? And people uh, <laughs> people don't understand. They don't understand. They, they think we're assholes and idiots. The things we have to point out during the government shutdown, guys, is that 99% of the government services still continue. The military still drops bombs. The border still stops immigrants. Uh, the social security checks still go out. The TSA still grabs your dick. The postal service still delivers mail. I mean, like this is, oh, and, you know, it's funny. I was reading this one article. Uh, Robert Mueller's investigation still gets to go on. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's the best point. Of, by the way, it, that's the best point. If you're talking to anybody 
who's on the left, uh, or I mean, I guess, or the right, maybe they're anti-Trumpers. Probably the people on the right are probably pro-Trump. But if you're talking to anybody on the left who's like, this government shutdown, you know, Trump's shutting down the government because of the wall, which is true. I guess he is. He's demanding. And by the way, the Democrats will 100% cave. Uh, they're not, like I said in, what was it, two episodes ago, they may not say the money is for a wall. But without a doubt, it is. And they will cave because the Democrats want their spending bill. They want what they want as far as taking care of all the people in the government dole. They'll keep on going forward. And the Republicans pretend they care about it, but they don't give a goddamn. The only person that seems to really care about it, I mean, Rand Paul, again, you know, guys, I <laughs> yeah, I mentioned our Lions of Liberty website. If you want to go check it out, lionsofliberty.com. If you want to go back in the, the Wayback Machine, I uh, wrote a lot of articles ripping Rand Paul apart, ripping his ass apart. And back uh, when we first started the podcast, I was on with Mark uh, just when we just had the, the once a week podcast. We would do Rand Paul's and minuses, he and I. And back then, Rand did not turn out so good. Just ripping his ass apart. But lately, he's been pretty on point. Rand Paul's the guy that introduced that bill. It was a little bit of a ridiculous bill, but it was a bill designed to curb the deficit in, and I can't remember the exact specifics of it. It was something where it just it restricted how much you could go, how much you could spend as far as deficit spending. Because, you know, the government, <coughs> pardon me, guys, they put this bullshit ceiling in place, which is not even really the ceiling. They can move it. There's adjustments to it. It's like, it's like when I was talking about the Pentagon, how they get this quote-unquote budget, but they fudge it. They move money around. It's the same thing. They make a pretend budget, and then they push up the debt ceiling, which they set a new debt ceiling. They go, oh, well, this is it, guys. I mean, we can't surpass this. That would be dangerous. And then once they get in office, they don't care. They just want to stay in office. So they push the debt up. They push the debt up. Rand Paul, maybe Thomas Massey, uh, I'm sure Justin Amash. I don't know. Maybe likely. I, I I have no idea. But Rand Paul is the only one who actually introduced a bill to curb it. Point being, this government shutdown is a joke. The services that get shut down are a joke. It's just they're literally the services designed. And we were joking about this. Uh, I was joking about this with Mark, I think, maybe an email or something. It's the services that they know people will notice and be annoyed by. I mean, mail. Oh, we need mail. You can't shut the mail down. So that keeps going. We need to keep dropping bombs on people so the military is funded. And like, a lot of these are pre-funded anyway. So they talk about government shutdown, and people presume that there's like it, – it's like when you go to work and your work shuts down and you don't get a paycheck, which for some government employees, that's true. Some of them – which is funny. I was reading some article. They're like, what's going to happen to all these government employees? There's 420,000 government employees. You know, like the schlubs, the, uh, <laughs> the people who couldn't compete. Like we were talking about South Park where they couldn't compete. So they try to cancel the race. The people who couldn't compete in capitalism who work for the government. There's like 420,000 people that could be affected by the shutdown. And to that, I say, well, tough tits i mean it's like anything i work for a public relations firm we go up and down my income 
goes up and down because my income uh, is tied in a large portion to how our clients are, how much income we're making as a company. Now, granted, I'm at a higher level, but still, you work for a company, you know what is entailed with that company. Now, when you work for the government, the reason you work for the government is because you presume that, oh, I work for the government now. I can never be fired, which is pretty much fucking true. And I can retire at 55 and have a full pension at a ridiculous rate because our union negotiated it and people are fucking idiots who just want to stay in office. So what they do is they say, okay, yes, we'll negotiate with this union. We'll accept this ridiculous payment. Uh, The pensions will be absurd. The pay will be absurd for people that are basically, you know, it's funny. It's like when major league baseball, They've got this stat. It's uh, wins above replacement, right, for every player. So if you're a really good player, right, let's say you're Mike Trout, you're awesome at baseball, your wins above replacement for a place, uh, another person that could take your place on the team and compete at this, uh, uh, on that level. Mike Trout's so good, his wins above replacement is probably like plus 10.5. So his team... Because of Mike Trout's presence, wins 10 more games a year. Wow, that's a lot. Very impressive. There ain't nobody in government posting those stats. When you go work for government, you know what? You're, uh, you get fired, all right? Somebody else comes in. You know what your win is above replacement is? Zero. Zero. In fact, probably if we fired everybody in government, the people coming in would have a much higher wins above related like they we would be improving by i would guess myself i don't know 25 percent. i know i'm mixing it up from games versus percentages but like literally are, are we are we kidding here the people that have been in government for 20 years sitting getting their fat fucking asses the dmv if we brought in a whole new crop of people we don't think they do do a better job of course they would with these schlubs, they go, they work for government. Now they might get laid off. Oh, no, we're supposed to feel so bad for them. Oh, you poor schlubs. Meanwhile, out in the private sector, you don't have a 401k. You don't have a pension. You don't have a retirement plan. You actually have to you know, work for your money, put money away, think about how you're investing your money. You have to work to make sure you're doing your job adequately. You have to do your job well. You have to actually try to get a promotion rather than these fucking idiots who go work for the government because they have no other option or I don't know, maybe I should work for them. Maybe, maybe that's the, the secret to success. Maybe that's the golden ticket. Like Willie motherfucking Wonka, which by the way, original Willie Wonka watched it this holiday break. Amazing. New Willie Wonka remade Willie Wonka piece of shit. If you like that, smack yourself in the head with the phone. You're listening to this podcast. I'm right now. Jesus. I'm talking 47 minutes. I got to wrap this shit up. Anyway, fuck the government shutdown. Uh, it affects almost nothing, almost nothing. And it's just so funny every time the media makes a big deal about it. Oh, it's like the world's ending. Uh, no, it's not. Nothing's ending. Look, hey, sorry, 400,000 government workers. Uh, I appreciate that. You're going to have a little bit of a a tough time while the government shut down for two weeks until they get their shit back together. And by the way, 
Uh, funny enough, uh, Alexandria, Alex, Alex, Alexandria uh, Ocasio-Cortez had maybe the best point about the government shutdown, saying, why should we be paid if the government is shut down? Because, yeah, senators still get paid. Uh, House members still get paid. All those people still get paid. I'm sure the Secret Service still gets paid. So <laughs> I give her a lot of shit, but for once, good job on that one, AOC. But yeah, it's it's just so funny how the media freaks out about this shit, as if it means anything. It means nothing. If it went on for six months, maybe then it would mean something. If it got to the point where we have a budget deficit, where we not even a budget, we already have a huge budget deficit. What am I even talking about? If we get to the point where the military would not be funded. If we got to the point where uh, their paychecks would not be funded, if we got to the point where the mail, all that shit would not be funded, then maybe you'd have an issue. Okay, two quick things. Number one, Elizabeth Warren actually declared that she would be running for president. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I, I'm sorry, I just keep laughing because it's just so absurd that she even uh, would declare... I mean, like we were talking about this on our, I think it was on the show that aired Monday, the Naughtier, or not, not the internet, sorry. I'm drunk. I've been on four podcasts plus mine, something like that, something ridiculous. By the way, if you don't like Brian McWilliams on uh, Lions of Liberty, you are screwed this past week and a half. They've been on every goddamn show. Anyway, we're talking about uh, Elizabeth Warren, I think, on the Naughtier Nice or the New Year's show. I don't know. I don't even fucking know. But, why, if you're her, you just had this test taken and nothing about that test ended up good for you. Like it all was bad. Even progressive people were like, "Woo, this is a loss. Like this is what, let's just sweep it under the carpet. This is like ridiculous that this woman has been saying that she's part Native American. 1,124 uh Something like that. Like, that's the percentage she is Native American. It's like, absurd. Why would this woman want to run against Trump? I mean, even before the test came out, he was mocking her, calling her Pocahontas. She, it's not like she has some amazing record to run. She's an establishment shill, just like Hillary Clinton. <laughs> and and another, another old white establishment chick who has gotten ahead on lies and privilege. And they think this is who is going to go out against Trump. He will absolutely tear her apart. And I, I honestly, I, I don't think anybody's going to take Trump down. I think he's got at least another four years uh, after this term, especially the way things are going. And honestly, for me, I know a lot of libertarians uh, despise Trump. I understand it. But for me, still is the most libertarian president of my lifetime. By far. And if it's Trump versus, I don't know, Elizabeth Warren or I, uh, Romney, who's going to run? Is anybody going to try to primary Trump? I don't even know. Trump's the guy I would support. Now, again, I'm not going to vote for Trump. Uh, we'll see who the Libertarian Party puts up. 
<laughs> I just, I swear to God, if it's fucking Bill Weld. It may be Bill Weld. If it is, I'll laugh. I'll I'll support my uh, my impression of Bill Weld. Anyway, getting back to the point. Elizabeth Warren's an idiot. Why would you run? Absurd. Uh, I think if anybody's getting in there, it's probably Kamala Harris. But anyway, moving on. One more thing to talk about, and then I'll end this drunken, shenanigan-filled podcast. Is just that <laughs> uh, Rudy Giuliani, who I despise more than almost anybody on the face of the earth, uh, but I'm grateful to because he gave Ron Paul his fantastic moment to make Rudy Giuliani look like a fucking asshole talking about foreign policy and blowback. But Rudy Giuliani says Julian Assange should not be prosecuted. And that's awesome. Because that makes you think that, hey, maybe Donald Trump won't prosecute him. Although he's still trying to prosecute Ed Snowden, which is absurd. Although I also think that he's trying to prosecute Ed Snowden because of, uh, I don't know, the association with WikiLinks and trying to look anti-Russia because Edward Snowden is in Russia. He can't try to look. It's all. Oh, much of a zubas, but it would be fucking fantastic. If uh, the Trump administration said officially, they did not give a damn about Julian Assange. I'd like to welcome him back. And uh, I appreciate WikiLeaks for all they've done. It's just, it's funny when people talk about, the collusion thing and Russia hacking as if it's like, oh, well, Russia hacked these people. Well, number one, no, they didn't hack anything. And also, we can't be sure because the Democrats never allowed access to the servers to the FBI. So you'd think if they were really hacked, they would allow the FBI to check that out. Hmm, no, not allowed. Also, probably a lot of dirt in there about the, the Clinton Foundation. They don't want the FBI to know about so they don't allow the FBI to even check the servers. So people would say, like, Russia hacked the election, hacked the server. Not true. What we actually know for a fact is that John Podesta got fished. He's a fucking idiot. Gave away his password. And then whoever got the info, in theory, because we still don't even know if Russians did it. In theory, this Goosever guy fished him, got the info that way. But we've already seen it's proven that you have to be at a certain point, you have to use a flash drive at a certain point uh, to get that information at the speed it was downloaded from the servers. You can't get it from Russia, the way they're saying. There's no internet connection in any way fast enough that would actually make sense to download the information uh, at the speed they're saying. And I apologize if I'm not explaining this well, but you could Google it yourself. And, uh, of course, Seth Rich, dead. The guy who uh, supposedly gave WikiLeaks the information, not hacked, not leaked, not anything. So many layers of bullshit. But, yeah, you know, he's dead. <laughs> Seth Rich, happy new year, wherever you're at. And uh, probably another Arkansas. All right, well, I'm set. I'm hammered. I can't believe this episode is this long. But, you know, sometimes it's New Year's Day and uh, you get drunk so you feel better to do a podcast. And sometimes you get so drunk that you do the best 
goddamn podcast ever. So from me, Brian McWilliams, from Electric Liberty Land, from the Lions of Liberty, always stay plugged in to Liberty.